you're wondering where that voice is coming from, it's not the Lord. I see a lot of people looking around. It's, <laughs> it's, I'm just tucked in behind the piano over here today. So uh, it's great to be with y'all to worship this morning. Let's all stand. And I hope that everybody this morning here, we are grateful, right? We're grateful that the Lord, just what went through with that video, that he's come in and that he's changed our lives. And because of that, we want to see Christ magnified in everything that we do. That's our prayer this morning uh, for our worship time, for the service is that Christ be magnified. This is a new psalm. My lovely wife showed me this uh, a couple of weeks ago, but I think the youth have been singing this for a while. So you guys in the youth, y'all sing out loud, help the congregation uh, learn this song. We're going to start off with a chorus, and that way you guys can get a little bit more familiar with it uh, as we sing this new song together. It's a really good song. Oh, Christ be magnified. Let his praise arise, Christ be magnified in me. Oh, Christ be magnified, the altar of my life, Christ be magnified in me. Oh, Christ be magnified, let his praise arise. Christ be magnified in me, oh, Christ be magnified, the altar of my life, Christ be magnified in me. The creation suddenly articulates. With a thousand tongues to lift one cry Then from north to south and east to west We hear Christ be magnified Will the whole earth echoing his image From sea and sky, from the rivers to the mountaintops, we hear Christ be magnified. Sing with us. Oh, Christ be magnified. Let his praise arise. Christ be magnified. Magnified in me, oh, Christ be magnified, the 
altar of my life, Christ be magnified in me. No, I won't bow to idols. I'll stand strong and worship you. If it puts me in the fire, I'll rejoice because you're there too. I won't be formed by fears. I'll hold fast to what is true. If the cross brings transformation, then I'll be crucified with you. Because death is just the doorway into resurrection life. And if I join you in your sufferings, then I'll join you when you rise. And when you return in glory with all the angels and the saints, my heart will still be singing and my song will be the same. Oh, Christ be magnified. Let his praise arise. Christ be magnified. It be, oh, Christ be magnified from the altar of my life. Christ be magnified in me, oh, Christ be magnified. Let his praise arise. Christ be magnified in me, oh. Christ be magnified from the altar of my life. Christ be magnified in me. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. I'm forgiven. Because you were forsaken, and I'm accepted, you were condemned, I'm alive and well, your spirit is within me, because you died and rose again, amazing love, how can it be? You, my King, would die for me. Amazing love, I know it's true. It's my joy to honor you. No lie to let me honor you. I'm forgiven. Because you were forsaken, I'm accepted, 
you were content. I'm alive and well, your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my King, would die for me? It's my joy to honor you, no light to let me honor you. You are my key. You are my key. Jesus, you.
to be able to be together and bless the name of the Lord. It is so good to have before us this morning um, the Lord's table, be able to partake. It's been a long time since we've done that together, and um, it's uh, just a, a blessing to be able to come and worship the Lord. This service today, um, you're going to get a little bit of everything, and um, I hope that's okay with you, and if not, then you can tell me afterwards, but we're going to go through the service and bless the name of the Lord, and there's a lot of reasons to bless His name, 
And um, this morning, I'm just super excited to share with you about what happened over this last week uh, when I was at Camp Pearl in uh, Reeves, Louisiana. Can you imagine a group of teenagers listening to me for eight times? <laughs> uh, from Monday morning until Friday morning, or Monday night till Friday morning. I've got a lot of great things to share with you about that. One of the things we don't get a chance to do often uh, here at Grace is kind of tell you what's, what's coming up and the things that we've done and kind of give a report about just how the Lord's working. So I want to just make mention of a couple of things that are coming up. One is uh, this Tuesday, uh, the Joy Club has a Red Beans and Rice Fellowship. And anytime you can fellowship around Red Beans and Rice, praise the Lord, all right? And uh, George and Glenda do such a great job. And if George and Glenda are cooking the red beans and rice, if you don't consider yourself to be a mature adult, hurry up, because Tuesday's coming. Uh, it'll be a great time to, to fellowship and, and come together. So I encourage you to be a part of that. Also, I uh, want to make mention of New to Grace. We, uh, if we have visitors who are more interested in, in what we do here at Grace, who want a better idea of what... What goes on here, August 22nd, we'll be hosting a New to Grace. And if you can just contact the church office uh, and let the secretaries know, we'll be happy to put you on the list. And uh, we want to let you know more about Grace. And uh, we're just, you know, we're here to worship the Lord and serve Him until He comes for us. That's why we exist. And so I just uh, praise the Lord for those of you who are here. And if you're interested in, in that, we'll make mention more of that as time goes on. This last week, we had Vacation Bible School, and uh, we had approximately 80 children up here running around, and uh, we praise the Lord for that. And uh, our children's director, uh, Andrea Stovall, is going to come now, and she's going to give us a little bit of a report on what took place this last week and uh, how we can pray for the children's ministry. So, Andrea, you come. Okay, there we go. I don't really like to hear myself talk, but um, I'm Andrea Stovall. I'm the children's director here. And um, last April through this past May, I, you know, we, we didn't have uh, in-person children's ministry. And I think I recorded 300-something videos for the kids to watch online. And I don't like watching. I never would go back and watch myself talk because I don't like to hear. I don't like to see myself or listen to myself talk. And um, I just really miss the kids, but I did it for any kid that wanted to tune in and watch each week for Awana or Sunday school. And so this past week, I had no idea what to expect, but we had almost 80 kids sign up for VBS and show up almost every night, and it was packed. And I had 50 workers who were amazing to help me all week, and I, I, my heart was just full every night. I'd stand over there and watch the kids sing the songs and do the motions, and I was just so happy after having a year with, like, no child interaction here, so um, it, it made my heart so happy and full, uh, but we use Answers in Genesis VBS curriculum, and it's very apologetics-based and really shares the gospel. It's very deep, uh, but this one was um, talked about uh, understanding the validity and the power of the Bible, 
And First Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And so that's what the kids heard this week. They learned about how the, power, how the Bible is God's word and how it's true and impactful and how you can be sure of the hope that you have. So I just want to thank, again thank everybody that helped out. And um, we didn't have any uh, salvation, any kids come to know the Lord this week that I know of, but um, the gospel is presented and we planted seeds and I'm, I'm not a children's director who does the raise your hand and say this prayer and ask Jesus into your heart. I don't use confusing language. We just present the gospel to them. So I know seeds were planted, and most all the visitors were very interested in Awana and coming back to kids camp. And so I hope, I look forward to maybe seeing them in this fall. So y'all can just keep keep those kids in prayer that, that stayed all week and visited. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Andrea. We appreciate um, all that you do here at Grace. Uh, it does not go unnoticed. Yeah, a lot of labor uh, in children's ministry. Um, so my heart's really full today about this last week, and um, I didn't really know what to expect this morning other than I knew we were going to have the Lord's Supper, but I did find out how to start a deacon and elders meeting when I was down in Louisiana. I was invited to a deacon elder meeting on Thursday night. I had some friends down there that uh, Don wanted me to see, who was my pastor, and he was actually my children's um, choir director when I was a kid. I actually sang in front of the church. Thank the Lord there's no, no tape on that. But, um, but he was our children's uh, choir director, and uh, he was my pastor for a while. And uh, he invited me to come to the elder deacon meeting at Kinder Bible Church. And uh, there was a man there that uh, was instrumental in getting me to Southeastern Bible College, and his name is Bill Miller. And so I had an opportunity to go down and sit with Bill and just have the best time. But the key to a good deacon and elder meeting is what they did before they met. They ate shrimp creole <laughs> with some garlic bread and some corn. And I, it was a corn dish. I have no idea what it was. But it was fantastic. And I've never seen a bowl that, that full of shrimp in my life. It was like, oh Lord, this is manna from heaven. So I had a wonderful time with those guys and I'm just able to just spend time with them. But I went back to, to my home area. Um, I grew up in southwest Louisiana. And uh, my dad was in the Navy. We moved around a lot when I was a little guy. Uh, I don't remember much of that except Newport, Rhode Island. I remember a little bit because there was a German Shepherd next door, so I didn't go near the German Shepherd. But that's about all I remember. And arrived in, in uh, 1969 uh, in Lake Charles, Louisiana. My dad was a lieutenant, and he was, a, he was in charge of the base there, whatever, operations. And so... Um, he had his choice of duty. It was Miami, Florida, Kansas City, Kansas, or Lake Charles, Louisiana. And they sent him a postcard from Lake Charles that was, you know, one of those Chamber of Commerce, looked beautiful beaches and all that. But if you've ever been to the beach down in Lake Charles, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, it's just not a place to go. But um, so I grew up there, and we went uh, to Lake Charles Bible Church. That was my home church, and um, Don was a pastor there for a while, 
started with Brother Lane, and he was a pound-the-pulpit guy, and he always preached the word, and then, and then Don came in. And, and so I had both of them, but Don was really instrumental in my life and um, still is. He's one of my uh, mentors. I mean, I just, he is a solid man who loves the Lord, loves ministry. He's 65 years old, but if he walked behind this pulpit, you'd never know it. I mean, he's just full of life, loves children, loves youth. And so um, I was able to go back down. He made contact with me several weeks ago and asked me if I'd come uh, speak at the camp. And uh, I said, well, what age group, Don? He said, 10th through 12th grade. I said, okay, I'll take it. He said, uh, you're going to have to speak eight times. I said, eight times. So uh, we spent uh, eight sessions talking about the church. That was the theme. Why is it important for the church to assemble together? Especially, you know, thinking about this last year. And, you know, interacting with those teenagers, you'd be surprised how many of them really missed that interaction in the body. Um, So the Lord, you know, gave us time together and I wanted to just kind of give you some things to pray about Um, I know you don't know these kids but I had an opportunity to get to know them Uh, I played basketball with them a couple times (laughs) one of the boys came up to me at dinner time after we had played basketball he said hey Mr. Thad you're not bad for an old man he's like (laughs) just wanted to encourage me but, um, you know, the Lord was just so good. Um, like, just transitioning to the remembrance piece, the Lord reminded me that he saves. I mean, that's simplistic, but there were three teenagers, 11th grade boys, that were saved. And, I mean, it, my heart was just so full. And um, the first boy, his name was Mo. And um, Mo came up to me after one of the sessions. I believe it was the Tuesday night session. He said, Mr. Thad, I want to know that I know. I, mean, I want to know for sure I belong to Christ. And so I had an opportunity to share with that 17-year-old young man uh, after that service. And uh, Mo is a child of God. And I am so thankful. He was beaming ear to ear. That young man was just, I mean, I was like, Lord, thank you, you know. And, um, and then, I think it was Thursday night, there were two young men that were saved. And I told them before I started the, the, the message, I said, look, I said, um, we got to the point where we were talking about the church in the future. And so I did kind of this interaction where I had, um, I went through the book of Revelation and I had them uh, kind of stand in on the different parts as we went through Revelation. So I had, uh, obviously, the rapture. We started with the rapture and I had several kids come up and um, took them all the way through until um, the final judgment there at the great white throne and then eternal state. And uh, so I get to about the second coming and and one of the kids on stage was just sneezed and I was down on the floor and I said there's no sneezing in heaven and uh my little granddaughter Janae we took our grandkids we should have prayed about that more we had a great time we had a great time don't get me wrong but she said Poppy that was so funny no sneezing in heaven 
So you never know. I mean, kids listen, right? But that night afterwards, there were two young men that um, came up. One was Curtis, and uh, uh, one was Gage. Curtis, just kind of, a, I mean, he's just kind of one of those regular kids, you know, and a uh, big kid, but just a regular guy, and uh, he, he had no understanding of the gospel until that night. And he came to know Christ. And I was like, man, Lord, how do I thank you? I mean, just what a blessing. And then this other young man who was in a group of guys, and I don't know if this is going to make sense to you, but these group of guys were kind of like the jocks of the, you know, camp, so to speak. And uh, so it was kind of midway through. They were playing a song, and, and I had told them, I didn't put pressure on I said, look, if you want to come up here and, and rededicate your life to the Lord or come to know him, you know, that's what, that's what we're here for. And so this boy named Gage got up, and I saw him, he just, I, I saw him out of the corner of my eye, and he just started on that end of the chapel, he walked all the way around, he came up front, and they called me Mr. Thad, and I, they, he said, Mr. Thad, um, I need to know Christ. And I said, well, Gage, why don't we sit down, and so I sat down and, and shared with him, and he prayed, and I was just like, man, Lord, I just, I just thank you so much. I mean, it was a great reminder to me, and I think this is good for the church. The Lord is in the saving business. And we just maybe don't put it out there enough, you know? Maybe we don't ask people. I was teaching them about the fact that the church is an assembly of believers. And I said, you know, we have a hundred, there were about a hundred kids. I said, there are a hundred of us in here. And I said, this is an assembly. I said, within this assembly is another assembly. And that assembly is the church. And for them, you could tell they were kind of thinking about that. And, and so I was thinking, you know, I don't know that I've ever said that here. You know, within this assembly is an assembly of believers. I mean, the assumption, I think, when people walk in the building was everybody who comes into the building belongs to Christ. That might not be a great assumption. There may be some young people here today there may be some older, mature people here today who've been in church but, but never have said yes to Christ. Never have put their faith and trust in Christ alone. And so that was a, just kind of a, a great reminder to me that you know, while we assemble together, and we don't take that for granted anymore, do we? You know, that, that we have a responsibility always, and Dr. Stephen Olford used to say this all the time, I took some homiletics classes. I could have taken a lot of with him, but, but he said, men, it's your responsibility and my responsibility every time we stand behind the pulpit to declare the gospel of Christ. And, you know, we have people. I told, I told the young people, I said, look, the greatest gift that I could have this week is for all of you to come up and tell me you belong to Christ. That, 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 that's the greatest thing that could happen this week. And so in the last night, Don Barrett um, came up and he closed and he said, Look, guys, I, I know Thad's heart and what he shared, and he just wants to know that all of you know. And um, he said, I'm going to have you do something. He said, Thad, I want you to go to the back of the chapel. I want every kid that wants to, to walk, to walk back there to you, shake your hand, and, and tell you they belong to Christ. And he said, no pressure. If you don't want to do that, there's a side door you can walk out. Of the 100 kids, I'd say 90 of them came through that line. But you know what's really interesting, and this is one I'd like you to pray for. All these kids are coming in, and, 
and, and they're telling me, hey, I'm born again, I belong to the Lord. And um, this one girl comes up, her name is Rebecca. She comes up, and she looks at me, she says, Mr. Thad, I appreciate you being here this week. She said, but I'm not a Christian. She said, this is the first time I've heard about Christ. She's 16 years old. She said, I've never heard what you talked about this week. I thought, oh my goodness. And she said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go home and I'm going to read these Bible passages that you pointed out. And I'm going to begin to ask questions. She said, I don't believe today. I loved her honesty. She said, I don't believe today, but I want to believe. And I'm like, oh my goodness, Lord. I mean, you know, we can't save anybody, but we can pray for them. Um, her name's Rebecca. So if, if it's on your mind just to pray for Rebecca, I, I would really, really appreciate that. Um, I think one of the things that can happen to us, especially those of us who've been saved a while and in church for a long time, is we can take our salvation for granted. You know, not everybody we come in contact with knows Christ. And to think about that there are teenagers out there today that have never heard the gospel. Children, like Andrew was mentioning this last week, I know Melinda presented the gospel. I know how she is. But the reality is we need to pray the Spirit of God will work in the hearts and the lives of these young children. And they'd come to know Christ. So anyway, they all filed out. And I was just like, man, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the opportunities that you've given to me over this last year. Because he has given me more opportunity to speak to youth over the last year and a half than I've had in a long time. And I just thank the Lord for it. So... I wanted to just share that with you. You can pray for Camp Pearl and pray for Lake Charles Bible Church and other churches there. They have a big uh, network there of Bible churches, but they were really impacted, especially Lake Charles Bible Church was really impacted by the hurricanes. I mean, they just didn't have one. They had two, and then they had flooding rains, and they had a winter mess. And, and in fact, Lake Charles Bible Church is being gutted, and I mean, they just lost the building. And uh, it... it it looks a little bit like a war zone down there. It's just unbelievable, the trash and the, the blue roofs and, and all this. And I'm like, Lord, you know, uh, I was talking to Don about an opportunity maybe for us to go down there and help Lake Charles Bible Church. Because there's just a lot to do there. And, um, you know, they, I mean, we take, I, I came back, I was telling somebody a while ago, I came to the building yesterday. We got back at 1, 1 in the morning on, on Saturday morning. And I came yesterday about 1 o'clock or so, and um, I walked in this building, I'm like, oh my goodness, Lord, we have a lot to be thankful for. <laughs> it's a nice facility. I mean, a nice facility. God has given to us, and, and those guys down there are really just trying to survive. A lot of churches lost a lot. So I would just encourage that we would pray for our brothers and sisters, for those Bible churches. You know, they have a network. I'll just mention this before we move on. They had a network. They have a network of Bible churches throughout Southwest Louisiana. Um, there aren't Bible teaching churches all around. Roman Catholicism is heavy, heavy in Louisiana, and so uh, where we have Baptist churches on every corner, gospel teaching churches, they're not there. And so we need to pray for that network of churches. I'd ask you to do that. That the Lord put it on your mind to pray for them. Um, I wanted to transition and give you an opportunity to think about something this morning. I'm going to share with you some things before we have the Lord's Supper. But 
One of the things I took the kids through this week that um, we talked about from um, Hebrews chapter 10 was the opportunity for the church to come together to draw near to the Lord. You know, not only can we draw near to the Lord as individuals, but as a body. I thought one of the greatest ways we could encourage one another this morning, and I don't want to make these long testimonials. I'm not looking for five, ten minutes. But I'm going to give you some time to just pray about it where you are. But I would love for you to be able to stand up this morning and testify as a believer in Christ. Like I told those kids, I said, I was born uh, October 9th, 1964 in San Diego, California at a naval hospital. I was born again in 1971. Yeah, I want to hear that. I'd love to just hear the church testify today. However, the Lord would lead you in that. And so we're going to do that in a minute. But I wanted to, to um, take an opportunity to remind all of us about what Christ did for us. So I want you to take your Bibles and go to Matthew in the 27th chapter. Now you'll find accounts of the crucifixion in Mark 15, Luke 23, and John 19. But I. Lord, the Lord led me to um, Matthew in the 27th chapter. You know, remembering for us as we get older is a task. <laughs> you know, just to remember what we want to say. Maybe we walk down the hall, you know, 100 feet and we forget what we're going to tell our coworker. Uh, as you get older, you know, I used to hear people say that and I'm like, how's that happen? And I'm like, it happens. And it happens often when you get older and and so remembering things is something that um, really is a blessing. Um, you know, when you have anniversaries and birthdays, I mean, you need to remember those things, right? Well, one of the things I think that our country has got caught up in is just forgetting. Forgetting. Um, I read this description of December 7th, 1941, and, you know, they... Tom Brokaw wrote a, a book called The Greatest Generation. It was a pretty great generation. I mean, I don't think we're here where we are today without that generation of people that got work. That was just my opinion. They were quite a generation. And a lot of those guys that went over there, whether it was in the Pacific campaign or over in Europe, they didn't come back. And so, you know, we sit in these nice, plush, air-conditioning buildings and a lot of that's because those guys were willing to lay it on the line. But this is how the description went. Just kind of just an illustration of remembering. At sunrise on the morning of December 7th, 1941, 350 Japanese warplanes flew through a mountain pass over the island of Oahu and rained down death and destruction on Pearl Harbor. Eight battleships and ten smaller warships were sunk or put out of commission. 200 American planes were destroyed and 3,581 servicemen were killed or wounded. The USS Arizona took a bomb down at Stack and the battleship went down in eight minutes. I've been to that memorial. It's quite moving. Entombing 1,177 sailors. The national battle cry with which the United States entered World War II was, remember Pearl Harbor. You know, for the believer, you know, we remember landmark dates in our history as Americans. And there are a lot of them you can go through. I think for, for those of us who are born again this morning, 
you know, as we come to the table this morning, remembering what Christ was willing to endure. And the Lord just had me go back and read through Matthew 27, just the account of the crucifixion. Um, we don't have time to read through all the Gospels, but the Lord led me to uh, Matthew in the 27th chapter. And I want us to begin in verse 26. And I'm just going to read through it and just make a couple of comments. As I'm doing that, you pray the Lord might want you to just share when you were born again, as we have time to just do that together as a, an assembly. You know, I had a new, I'll say this, I had a new appreciation for why we gather together. It's not just to listen to Thad and the praise team. I love listening to the praise team, I love listening to the choir, but we assemble together to fellowship together, right? To share together, to encourage one another. And my goodness, if, if, if the church ever needed encouragement, this last year has been one of those times. So you just be thinking and praying about what the Lord might want you to say. But in the meantime, let's all look and just, as I read through verse 26 through verse um, 50 this morning. Then he released Barabbas for them. But after having Jesus scourged, he handed him over to be crucified. Now, one of the things that I don't think is mentioned enough is the scourging. You know, we talk about the crown of thorns and we talk about the, the nails and, and, and I understand all that. We talk about the sword and the side, I get all that. But the scourging was brutal. And I, I went back, I found an article that kind of describes scourging and how that would have looked in the Roman world. This is how it goes. Flogging was a legal preliminary to every Roman execution. And only women and Roman senators or soldiers, except in cases of desertion, were exempt. The usual instrument was a short whip with several single or braided leather thongs or variable, of variable lengths in which iron balls or sharp pieces of sheep bones were tied at intervals. For scourging, the man was stripped of his clothing and his hands were tied to an upright post. The soldiers, um, excuse me, the back, the buttocks, and legs were flogged either by two soldiers or by one who alternated positions. The severity of the scourging depended on the disposition of the soldiers and was intended to weaken the victim to a state just short of collapse or death. As the Roman soldiers repeatedly struck the victims back with full force, the iron balls would cause deep contusions and the leather thongs and sheep bones would cut into the skin and uh, impact the tissues deep within. Then as the flogging continued, the lacerations would tear into the underlying skeletal muscles and produce quivering ribbons of bleeding flesh. Pain and blood loss generally set the stage for circulatory shock. The extent of blood loss may have well determined how long the victim would survive on the cross. And after the scourging, the soldiers often taunted their victims. That's what happens here. See, there's the cross, but there's the events before the cross. 
I just don't want us to forget that. Right? The crowd yelled out, give us Barabbas, right? Well, they got him. Christ was crucified. Look at verse 27 of Matthew 27. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus in the praetorium and gathered the whole Roman cohort around him, which when I did research on that, I found that there's a variable there with the number of soldiers that would have meant somewhere in the 400s. What I found was between 420 and 480. Um, it says they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And after twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. Now, the reed was an instrument of mockery, right? They're about to mock him, but it was also an instrument of punishment. And a reed was in his right hand, and they knelt down before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And I, I, as I was reading through that and, and just praying through it, I was like, man, Lord, one day those same people, if they didn't come to know you, they're going to bow before you and say you're Lord. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. So I would say to you and to me, the encouragement would be kneel now because you know the Lord. Every knee will. They mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and they sped on him. You know, I don't know if you've ever been sped on before, but wow. And that's a violation. They're violating you. Um, they sped on him and they took the reed and began to beat him on the head. And after they mocked him, they took the scarlet robe off of him and put his own garments back on him and led him away to crucify him. Remember, Christ was guilty of what? Nothing. Think about this. I mean, he went to the cross because he loves us. Verse 32, as they were coming out, they found a man of Cyrene named Simon, whom they pressed into service to bear the cross. And they came to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. They gave him wine to drink mixed with gall, and after tasting it, he was unwilling to drink. It was designed, that combination was designed to ease suffering. Christ took it all. Verse 35, and when they had crucified him, they divided up his garments among themselves by casting lots. And sitting down, they began to keep watch over him there. And above his head, they put up the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, King of the Jews. At that time, two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. Those passing by were hurling abuse at him, wagging their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Save yourself. You're the Son of God come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priest also, along with the scribes and elders, were mocking him and saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God, let God rescue him. Now if he delights in him, for he said, I am the son of God. The robbers who had been crucified with him were also insulting him with the same words. 
Now from the sixth hour, which was noon, uh, darkness fell upon all the land to the ninth hour. So from noon to three o'clock. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. This is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of those who were standing there, when they heard it, began saying, This man is calling for Elijah. And immediately one of them ran, and taking a sponge, he filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave him a drink. But the rest of them said, Let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. Verse 50 says, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and yielded up his spirit. I'd encourage you to read the other accounts this afternoon when you have time. But that's a pretty good reflection of what took place there in Matthew. It helps us to understand that Jesus Christ was willing to endure all of that pain and all of that suffering because, as the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That whoever what believes in him shall have eternal life. Do you remember when you said, Yes, Lord, I believe? You remember that? You remember that time when you said, Lord, I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose again. Do you have a recollection of that? How's that look for you? You know, for me, I was seven years old. It was 1971. It was in the fall. And uh, one of the guys that used to come babysit me and my sister, his name's Phil Newsom. Phil came, and I think he was kind of like what I experienced this last week. He was at the age where he was like, I just want to know that these kids know Christ. And so he shared the gospel with me, and I'll never forget, I was sitting on the edge of my bed, and I prayed that night. And I believed for the first time. and said, yes, Lord. Have you done that? When was that for you? When did you come to understand that you were a sinner and that Christ died for your sins? When did you come to understand that eternal, abundant life is only available through him? So I want to give you an opportunity before we have the Lord's Supper together to, to be able to, to share that. I've asked Luke to come and just have the microphone available and you share this morning, as the Lord leads you, when did you come to Christ? How did that happen? Somebody? This morning? Miss Ann? I praise the Lord that on September the 5th, 1971, the Lord saved me. Same year you were saved, Dad. I thank the Lord that my pastor was saved as a little boy. I was hard-hearted, rebellious. Even though I had a Christian mother, I did not come to know the Lord till I was 29 years old. But I'm thankful. And I got saved at home, and I knelt by my bed, and I didn't know much, but I said, Lord... I can't do it. Save me. And he did. It was, it was a miracle. And I found out later in the word it says, whosoever 
shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And God knows our heart. It's not our words. It's our heart to make him, to receive him as our Lord and Savior. So, Thad, this is our, this year is our 50th birthday. As Christians, happy birthday. Thank you, Ms. Ann. Anyone else this morning want to share when you came to Christ? I'd love for all of you to share. I was privileged to grow up in a Christian family, aunts, uncles, grandparents, both sides, everyone that I knew, which was pretty unusual in Massachusetts. Uh, But uh, I was born in 1955, so yes, I'm 60. Anyway, <clears throat> but um, the Lord saved me at seven, um, and I was at camp, summer camp. So there is definitely fruit come, that comes from camp. I realized my need to make my own decision to follow Christ at seven. Uh, Luke, can you come up here? Because Mr. Oh, well, never mind. You can stop there, and then Miss Tommy's up here. Well, um, I've shared this, my testimony, a few times recently, so some of you may have heard it, but um, I was in a motel room in Atlanta, Georgia. I was 20 years old, and I woke up in the middle of the night, and I was absolutely terrified. Something had had just terrified me. Yeah, my mama's prayers, probably. Uh, Because uh, Romans 2.5 is a verse that sticks with me as I've I've grown in the Lord. It says that, uh, that we should all... Uh, you know, we were stubborn and that uh, we refused to repent. And because of that, we're storing up for ourselves terrible punishment. And that's because a day of judgment is coming when the Lord's righteous wrath will be revealed on the earth. He's going to judge everybody according to their deeds. And it, it hit me that night. That's me. I'm going to stand before God and answer for the offenses I have committed against a holy and righteous creator God. And so I turned to the only person that I knew could do anything about it from the teaching of my youth, and that was Jesus Christ. And I, I gave my life to him and said, you, you do what you want with me. Just keep me out of hell. <laughs> and, uh, and from that point forward, I've been clinging to him ever since, and he's, he's been more than faithful to me. So, Thank you, Luke. Thank you, Fred. Um, I was uh, a little bit older than even Miss Ann when I was saved. Um, in fact, I was about 45 years old. And uh, I was raised in a Catholic home, which many of you may know. They didn't really teach you very much about the Bible. They told you what you needed to know. So... Um, I just happened to be, um, Andy and I were building our house, actually, in 2004, and um, I was trying to get to work, and the Lord stopped me in traffic. My sister had been sending me CDs and, and literature and stuff, and I was reading it, kind of, sort of, but not very well, and um, 
The Lord stopped me in traffic for an hour and a half. On my way to work, on the interstate, I couldn't go anywhere. I was stuck. And he said, it's time. It's time, Tommy. And he, and I had this CD that my sister had given me, um, and it was on First Peter. And uh, I just stuck it in my CD player. And I listened to the entire thing, and it was, it was over an hour long. And after it was done, I was just moved to the point of tears. And I sat there in the, in the car, and I cried, and I cried to him. And um, when I was, had gotten my composure back, the traffic opened up, and I went to work. And I told everybody at work what had just happened to me. And I worked for a construction company, and it was a bunch of construction guys <laughs> on a construction job site building a hospital. <laughs> And that's where I worked at the time, so I was, I just went, I just got on my little four-wheeler and I just drove all around, <laughs> told them all about it. <laughs> and of course, they looked at me funny, but I knew then, I knew then, but I can't tell you the exact time. Um, it was a process. He just opened my heart and I began to seek him. So that's how it happened for me. Anyone else this morning? Uh, over here. And then over there. Luke. So uh, I was not raised in a Christian home. Um, but early on I did hear about God. And as a little girl, he was kind of like my buddy. I talked to him. I prayed to him. I didn't really know why, but it felt good. And he was my buddy. Um when I was 18, I got saved. Um, I was in the back of just some random church I visited that day. I don't remember what was preached on that day, um, but uh, God saved me. Um, and I was not immediately just a perfect little angel after that. Um, I did immediately get convicted of things that was kind of new um, as I grew um, in my life. I just the things I did, I did get feel convicted for it, but I just suppressed it for a long time. Um, it wasn't until probably 2017 that I understood, it just clicked um, what it was to surrender yourself to God. And just, I gave over that way of living, the way I was, the things I was doing that was not godly and not wholesome. Um, and God just blessed me so much. And all those years that I was saved, well, right directly after I was saved, God protected me through so many things and um, just had his hand on me. And the moment I understood what it was to surrender, it was such a blessing. And it still is. And God is so good. And shortly after that, I met my husband. And, um, yeah, God is good.
Well, I'm Kevin Wheeler. I grew up in Connecticut, so it is, uh, it is true that the Lord works in New England as well. <clears throat> but I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but I did go. Uh, my mother did take us to church for different times, different reasons. And I remember when I was 10, <clears throat> going to VBS, which big shout out to VBS folks. They're, they're heroes. Uh, I remember the teacher teaching us about the, the difference between uh, those who don't know Christ and those who do, and using the scripture out of Isaiah chapter 1, though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And she showed us a, 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 a dark heart and a, and a clean heart. And that's all, all I understood was I didn't want to go to hell. So after, after the, the class, walking across campus of the church, just asking Jesus to be my Savior, um, didn't know much after that. I mean, I did, there was no follow-up. There was no responsiveness on my part uh, other than that. But I knew from then that, that God loved me and, and he had saved me. Uh, but I was a mess as a teenager until I was like 17 when my wife, the Lord got a hold of my wife as well. Um, and I've, I've come to realize attending church then that being a Christian is more than just not going to hell. It's having a relationship with Jesus. And so I, that, was a, that was a new re revelation for me at 17. Um, but then you know, we got baptized and things changed considerably after that. So, but uh, still in process, still trying to follow the Lord and stumbling my way through. So. We'll hang on to this. <laughs> um, I'm Roxanne Wheeler, Kevin's wife. And I was raised in Connecticut, and um, when I was, I was raised in a Catholic family. Um, and when I was 17, uh, a, a friend from school invited me to her church, and it happened to be a Southern Baptist church there and up in the center of Connecticut. But um, it was through that church that uh, one summer we were at uh, Musquamacut, Rhode Island, for a youth retreat. And uh, a young um, Christian missionary from California was there, and he witnessed to me and uh, asked me if I wanted to um, receive the Lord. And I initially I was like, no, I've never heard this before. No, I'm not going to do that. But it was the very next day, the way I remember it. I have no idea what I was thinking, but alone in my bedroom, I got down on my, uh, the foot of my bed, and I began praying the prayer that he um, told me about, and, and God dealt with me. And um, uh, I prayed the prayer and knew that I was a sinner, and immediately went down to the, um, the kitchen and began sharing the gospel with my mom and my sister, and who didn't appreciate it. Um, my, uh, I was so <laughs> determined that they realized that they were sinners too that um, I wrestled my sister to the ground and <laughs> straddled her, pinned her arms, with my knees and said, you're a sinner, you've got to listen. And But to this day, um, I'm still praying for my, um, my family and, of course, my cousins, my aunts, my uncles. So that's my story.
We'll just keep it on our end of the field for a while. <laughs> George Morange. Uh, I grew up in a Christian home, and I had a wonderful Christian dad and a wonderful Christian mother. And I used to love to hear my father share his testimony. I mean, it was exciting because he was a real pagan, and the man who had come to uh, witness to him, dad, uh, he did everything he could to discourage him and to run him off. He would blow smoke in his face when he lit up his cigarettes, and uh, uh, he thought the final dagger would one day he opened a can of beer, just poured it over the guy's head and said, now, you think God still loves me? You think uh, you still love me? And the man, Mike Michael, said, yeah, God still loves you, and I love you too, and I'll be back, and I'll bring some milk for the babies. I, my sister and I were just babies. And uh, he said, I'll bring you a top coat because I noticed you don't have a top coat for the winter. And this man, Mike Michael, just kept coming until my father finally just uh, broke down and, and begged the Lord to, to forgive him and to give him new life. And he th threw his cigarettes away and poured his uh, liquor down the, the toilet and not only never went down that path again, he never craved it. Uh, it, it he, he was just free from it, and that's not always true. But I love to tell his testimony because it was exciting. And then one day as a teenager, I was just convicted. To, I asked myself, what's your testimony? And it can't be his. What's yours? And uh, I said, well, Lord, uh, I was told that I, I was led to the Lord as a child in a five-day club. If that's true, then I want to start living like I'm one of your, your children. And if I'm not one of yours, then right now I've, I'm telling you that I want to be a child of God. I want to know that Christ is my Savior. And so um, that's when uh, I, I look back and, and see the time. And from that moment forward, I begin to change. I begin to have even a greater desire uh, to honor my mother and father. Uh, so many things that I was tempted to do I couldn't do it because I knew it would break my mother and my father's heart. And then God began to teach me that it breaks his heart too when we disobey. So I was motivated to try to serve him and obey him. And that led to uh, what I became. And eventually that led to me being here and uh, to being retired so that I could fish more. known in southwest Louisiana as well. I won't tell you everything they said about you, George. <laughs> they love you very much. All right, got time for one more and then we'll have, or two more, <laughs> and throw three more, and then we'll have the Lord's Supper, and it made four more, all right. Um, I'd say one thing I've, le I've really loved to hear is God not only saved several of us, but he continued to work on us. Um, I've heard that almost every time. And, um, well, if you don't know me, you know that the Lord's been doing that with me for quite some time. Um, six, seven years old is when I got saved. Um, I don't remember much. I know that my mom and my dad, they love the Lord. They love me enough to share the gospel with me. And uh, the Lord worked in my heart. He saved me at a young age. 
um, and he has continued to sanctify me, to continue to change me into who he is, continue to get rid of who I am, and to insert himself. And that's what he's done with several of us from just y'all's testimonies, and I, I love hearing that. I'm, I'm so thankful that the Lord didn't save me and save us and just leave us there. Um, he is so intimately involved with each one of us. And so I just, I, I love that about the Lord. I'm thankful for my salvation um, and what the Lord did when I was young. Um, like I said, I don't remember much. I remember sitting on the bed with my parents. And, um, and I remember there being a change that night in my heart, something that would always keep me different, um, never leave me. So that's what I got to say. First of all, <laughs> thank you, Lord. First of all, I'll never stand up without telling you guys I love y'all. I love y'all. And I thank God for this church. And I thank God for you, Sam, for the opportunity for people to share about the Lord. About the Lord. <laughs> but... I got saved at uh, uh, at a funeral, and uh, I was so proud of myself. <laughs> I, I was gonna make it, but uh. In uh, 1979, I got saved at uh, 33 years old. At a, like I say, at a funeral. Uh, December. And that night, before the funeral, I'd laid out drunk all night. Next day, Brenda punished me by making me go to a funeral. And because uh, if I did, I'd have never lived it down. So, uh, so I went screaming, kicking all the way, you know. And uh, I was sitting in a pew listening to Brother Bobby Britt from Hilldale Baptist Church. And I'll try to make quick, <laughs> but uh, it was, uh, I had no intentions of doing anything but going, getting Brenda off my back, and then I was going to meet the guys at the beer joint again, and uh, for the first time in life, first time in my life, I heard the gospel, and I I've been there where it was shared before. That was the first time I've ever heard it, though. And uh, I was sitting around, and half the guys in that auditorium were policemen, and pretty good many of them had arrested me before. 
and love. I sat in that pew and I fought God for, for God. Probably 20 minutes. You know, holding on to the pew and your knuckles are, are white and blood. Uh, I thought, he said, all of a sudden I became afraid. And what Brother Bobby had said was, I know somebody in here, this is their last chance to come to the Lord. And I knew, well, like everybody else, it wasn't. Uh, I knew he was talking to me. So I accepted the Lord that day. Like I say, at 33 years old, I've never been ashamed of the gospel ever since. I love the Lord. I'm looking forward to eternity. And if there's anybody in here that don't know what we're talking about, you come talk to me and I'll share it with you. Talk to any of the elders. And uh, you don't know what you're missing out to live a life for Christ. And know that uh, eternity... Love you guys, but eternity awaits us. And as the scripture says, there's things that we can't imagine, as the song says. 10,000 read all the songs that we heard this morning that we're going to hear in heaven that we'll experience our Lord. Face to face in his glory. Not our glory, but his glory. Praise the Lord. I'll see Brenda again. I'll see a lot of others. But thank you, Dad, for the opportunity this morning for all these and for all the ones that want to that haven't shared. All I gotta say is praise the Lord. Um, as you were sharing, I was like, you know, David and Jess said it could take a while. I was thinking, you know, we sit at ball games for three and four hours. We'll sit behind a television, and I'm like, you know, this is just going to be, this is a prelude to heaven. So if you need to get up and go eat lunch, that's fine, but I'm enjoying the food that we're getting. I appreciate all of you sharing. I think, DJ, do you have the mic? Did you want to share? You had your hand up. Okay. Go ahead, bring it to DJ. She had her hand up, and then Miss Melinda did. Um, I know I'm really young. I'm 15, but <laughs> I have a lot to say. Okay, so when I was little, I was like, I don't know, little, and so my it was like Easter, and my mom was like, "You want to get baptized?" I'm like, "Yeah, you know." Yeah. So we go into Dad's office, and he was like what's your story? Like, when, when were you saved? And I was like, um, yes, I was. And I think I made up a story of how I was saved to sound cool. Um, but I don't know, like, I went to church because my mom is like the Miss Andrea. And (laughs) yeah. And so I just, 
I did. I got baptized, and I was like, cool, that's over. Because um, my friend Kate, she got baptized before me, and I was like, no, I want that. So I did. And that didn't really, it didn't really change anything, you know? Like, it's supposed to mean something for everyone, and it didn't really mean anything to me. I was, like, little. It, like, it just happened. And I was like, okay. Um, and honestly, my, I lived, you know, I went to church. I did stuff. Um, I didn't really pay attention because, you know, a kid's attention span, like, doesn't exist. So you just sort of go in church. You sleep till it's over. You go get lunch, whatever. Um, <laughs> and so it wasn't. Actually, it wasn't until recently I started paying attention in youth group, you know, talking to people. In fact, I'm, like, like struggling sort of mentally at school, you know. Uh, we changed schools. My old school was a really bad time. And my new school, it's not any better. I mean, it is, but, like, no. Um, <laughs> um, so I, I'm kind of in... My friend group isn't Christian at all. All of them sort of, like, make fun of me, sort of, but, like, respect, no. Um, they just, <laughs> we have differences, a lot. And I was struggling, and I was doing bad things, still kind of am, but I'm working on it. And then my mom found out. Because she didn't like my friends at all, like, to begin with. She, she still doesn't. Um, <laughs> and then I, we had a moment in the car in front of the church. And then she was like, okay, we can get you therapy sessions with Miss Christy. Because we can't, you know, afford real ones. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry. Um, and um, so, and it, honestly, they're better. Because I know Miss Christy. And she saved me, okay? Honestly, I was drowning, and she picked me up and saved me, okay? She, we sat down here at the church, and we talked, and we talked, and we talked. And then not only did she just, you know, help me through my struggles with my friends, she shared the word with me. She, she, she said, okay, I see what's going on, and you can do these things to help. And also the scripture says blah, 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 blah. And it, it's really helped, okay? So when I went to youth, going to youth group was like the highlight of my entire week. Every week I'd be like, can it be Wednesday again, please, please? Um, and I would, I have a notebook that I just, I take my own notes and it really helps me focus and pay attention and I can just, it's, my life is so much easier since my mom saw that and put me with Miss Christie, and I just, she saved me, Corey saved me, all of the youth saved me, and they still are, okay, I'm only 15, I've still got a whole life to go through, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have struggles and stuff, and yeah, thank you, <laughs> can Kate go, Kate, can she go? Hi. As she said, um, not I haven't lived as much life as some of the people who shared, so I don't have you know as much experience in the sharing. But most of the people here know they've probably changed my diapers, had me in nursery at some point, babysat me, 
you know, so thank you guys for doing that. That's <laughs> really nice. But uh, I grew up in a Christian home. I'm still growing up in a Christian home surrounded by amazing, amazing believers who have grown up believing and are still growing. I'm still growing as a believer, and all of the people that in my family are still growing believers. When I was six years old, I went to Hamburger Heaven with my mom, love the burgers there, and <laughs> I got saved. I, we had a conversation about heaven, and I asked a silly question. I was like, Mom, do hamburgers go to heaven? You know, silly question, and she said to me, no, baby, but do you know if you're going to heaven? And little six-year-old me, having everybody in my family and everybody that I was surrounded with be saved and be living in the word and growing in a relationship with Christ, I think I got saved because I wanted what they had. So I said the prayer, you know, got saved. And I do believe I got saved when I was six because I did want Christ and I wanted to have that relationship with him. But I didn't really understand what it fully meant to live for him. So I got, sa I got baptized when I was eight. I had a conversation with Pastor Thad and we talked about it. And I think I genuinely did want that relationship, but I didn't fully understand what it took to live for him and to give it all and dedicate yourself and really fully surrender. And I don't think I fully started fully surrendering until I went to Ponderosa Bible Camp when I was 11 years old and I just finished helping last week as a team member. And I went with two of my best friends when I was 11 and I fully kind of clicked and I understood it's not about me. I mean, how tiny am I in this gigantic universe that he's created? He's created each and every one of us individually, and yet somehow I think that what I want matters. <laughs> like, I mean, we're so tiny, and we're so insignificant compared to his greatness. It just kind of clicked. Like, it's not about me. It's completely about his plan, and all I have to do is just give it up. So I gave it up, and I've tried my best to live for him, and I'm still growing. I make mistakes. I fail a lot. You can ask those two. I fail a lot, but um, I try my best, and Jesus is still working in me. God is good. He loves every single one of us in here, and I pray for those who don't know him in here. If you don't, then find with the elders. Talk to Pastor Thad, please. Just, it is the best news you will ever hear. And that's coming from a person who's heard it their entire life, and it still never gets old. Even though I haven't lived that long, it's just, I've heard it ever since I could understand words, really. And it still never gets old. It is the best thing to ever happen to anybody ever. You can ask anybody in here who is, who is saved and knows Jesus. It's just, he saves, man. Jesus saves. <laughs> and that's incredible. Like, that is amazing. So that's all I really have to say. And here you go, Luke. Um, says something.
few years ago, I probably would have felt uncomfortable when they got to the teenagers. I don't. I mean, I'm like, you know, look, everybody thinks we got to have all the words just right or we can't stand up. What you saw there was raw and honest. And I really, really appreciate the guts, you know, that you had. I know the Lord assisted you in that, but I really, really appreciate that. Thank you both for standing up and sharing. And we'll end with Melinda, and then we'll have the Lord's Supper uh, together. You're right, Kate. I'm 65, and it never gets old. Um, I grew up in a, a home that was good. My parents were more moral than most Christian families. I know there was never a curse word in my home. We, um, um, nobody ever smoked. Nobody ever drank. We had prayer before every meal. My mother had prayers with me every single night. We went to church every Sunday. But nobody at that church ever brought their Bibles. I believe, we believed in God. I knew Jesus died on the cross. I didn't understand any of the significance of it, and my parents didn't understand the significance of it either. And uh, we definitely had the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, so we respected and honored the Lord. But um, we, they didn't teach the word there. And so I just kind of got the idea that if you were good enough, you might go to heaven. And if I was bad enough, I'd probably go to hell. That was just what I believed. But then we changed churches, and we started going to a church where everybody brought their Bible. And we read the Bible, and we studied the Bible, and we started to understand the Bible. And I heard the gospel when I was 11, and I responded to it. And I prayed a prayer and asked Jesus into my heart, and I didn't understand it, never had any assurance of salvation for years because I didn't understand the gospel. But I really appreciate what the girls said. I really appreciate what Andrea said this morning when she said, I don't use confusing language. Um, it's just, it's in the book. You know, it is good for you to approach your children and say, you know, what is, where are you with the Lord? Do you want to go to heaven? Do you, you know, you present the gospel. And it is great for you to pray with that child to confirm it. But that ain't it. That ain't over with. You know, you got to keep on preaching the gospel. Don't. Put assurance in a prayer that your child had with you when she was a child if she shows no uh, evidence of it as an adult, okay? You know, I prayed a prayer when I was 11. I didn't understand what I was doing, but I stayed in the book. I went to a church where I kept hearing the book. My parents kept reading the book. It's all in here, and, and, and we just have to, like Thad said, never stop preaching the gospel. Keep giving the gospel to them. And, and one day, all of a sudden, like uh, Buddy said, you know, he had been there when the gospel was given, but he had never heard it before, you know, and then he heard it. And so that's what will happen. And, and, it, and, and you might be inspired by fear because you don't want to go to hell. That's okay. Lots of people have been inspired to go to heaven because they don't want to go to hell. And they grow in their relationship and in gratefulness to a God who saved them from hell. That's okay as your inspiration. But your inspiration may just be that you're touched by what the Lord do has done for you and you want to belong to him. Whatever your motivation is, God can save you because of what's in this book. So... We just have to keep presenting the gospel. And when I was teaching the gospel that to the kids during Bible school this week, 
I didn't ask for a show of hands. I just gave them my testimony and what the gospel is, that we're sinners separated from God by our sins. And I was, of course, more elaborate about it. But if you repent and turn to him and believe in him as your Savior, he's going to save you. And I said, I made that decision when I was a girl, and you have to make that decision. I didn't ask him for a show of hands, but I said, this is a decision you have to make for yourself. Your parents can't save you. So the gospel was presented, and I just loved working with the kids, and thanks for that privilege. Y'all want to stay till about six? <laughs> um, you know, having the worship and the praise of the Lord won't stop. And uh, can you imagine every tongue and tribe and people and nation? <laughs> a lot to hear. Um, I want to read just a section. I'm going to ask the elders and deacons who were um, selected for this morning to come up as we get ready to, to have the Lord's Supper together. Um, if y'all could just come up, the ones who were asked to serve and just stand there behind the table. Um, I want to make it real clear that you don't have to be a member of grace to partake of the Lord's Supper. You just need to be a member of the body of Christ. <laughs> and, uh, and also, though, you need to be in right standing or fellowship with the Lord. I mean, the Bible encourages us in 1 Corinthians and 11th chapter. It says, but a man must examine himself, and in doing so, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Because in Corinth, there was an abuse going on. Those who had weren't sharing with those who didn't. Uh, there were people getting drunk, and it was a love feast. And it was just a love feast just for the Lord, and they were abusing that. And um, so it's important that we examine ourselves and make sure that that fellowship with the Lord is, is where it needs to be. And so if you're a believer in Christ um, and you've examined yourself, we, we encourage you to receive uh, today and to celebrate with us um, the Lord's Supper. And so... I'm going to read this scripture and then um, I'll get, uh, Patrick, would you pray for the bread this morning after I read this part? 1 Corinthians 11 says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And that was... You know, before the cross, I mean, he's giving thanks. It's just an amazing thought. But that's the kind of God that we serve and love. And um, this morning, I'm going to get Patrick to pray uh, for the bread. Uh, Patrick, would you do that? And dear Lord, as we just uh, come for you today, uh, we're thinking about uh, we break the bread in remembrance of you. And we spent this morning remembering you and what you've done in our lives. And each one of us have a story. We could stand here for hours and talk about how good you are. So I just want to just thank you for who you are and what you've done. And I just pray over this bread that uh, we would just uh, continue to re remember who you are and what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. And I would encourage you as the bread's being passed just to take that opportunity with you and the Lord just to examine yourself the same way I will do. Just have him search us. All right?
here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Think about this, that as Buddy said, through his crackling voice, we will see the Lord face to face in all his glory. And so as we take this bread this morning, we remember his body. Kevin Landers, I'm going to ask that you pray for the bread this morning. I mean the cup this morning. Thank you. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to be together. And uh, we thank you for the fellowship that we enjoy, uh, Lord, because of your blood, because of the obedience and the sacrifice. And, uh, Lord, we just pray that we represent you well uh, today and each day you allow us um, as we are molded uh, through your word and through circumstances. Uh, through the various confirmations um, of the life that you allow. Lord, we pray that we, uh, what we say and do, we honor you. And Lord, that, um, that others are drawn to you um, by looking at our lives. Lord, that uh, it's just evident uh, that you are a big part of our lives. Uh, we thank you for your love. We thank you for salvation uh, as we drink of your cup. In Jesus' name.
listen to this from the book of Hebrews. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption with the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled, sanctified for the cleansing of the flesh. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. We are certainly glad for the new covenant. As we take this juice, we remember the blood of our Lord. I believe the praise team is going to sing a song, and we're going to dismiss after the song is sung. You'll just be dismissed. You don't have to look around kind of goofy at each other. You can just stand up. And be dismissed, all right? Let's all stand, guys. There's only one worthy. I want to sing about him as we close. song we could ever sing, worthy of all the praise we could ever breathe, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you, we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Open up my eyes.